to walk or not to walk? That is the question. <laughs> Especially when you're recovering from an injury by running and walking too much. That's kind of what I have been dealing with for the past two weeks. Or actually a little bit longer. I think about three weeks ago, I think I got an injury uh, on my way to running training because I didn't do a proper warm-up and so I uh, overstretched probably uh, some muscles in my leg and then I tried to push through which is something that normally you know I'm not uh, averse to it's not giving up too quickly sometimes these little pains will go over but in this case it only got worse and uh, and I noticed that the only way to recover is to do what I absolutely don't want to do and that is to sit still and rest whereas hey it's the beginning of the year still more or less February <laughs> I'm trying to get fit I'm trying to to uh, extra to do something extra instead of doing less but it's a good lesson in patience and sometimes you have to heal first before you can get back to action and improve so that's what I'm trying to do I'm trying to be more patient and uh, the, the, the one thing that I noticed uh, last time that I went out for a walk was that actually even walking for uh, the recording of this show was also putting strain on that leg and uh, it hurt more when I got back than when I went out of the door uh, however that was you know already more than a week ago so I'm just hoping that now I'm going to be fine even if I walk a little bit. After all, movement also improves the blood flow and, and that in itself is good for the healing of all the muscles. But anyway, welcome to the walk. <laughs> it's nice outside for a change. I don't think it's going to last though because they have predicted more rain in the afternoon. But this morning, temperature is actually much higher than I thought it would be so I'm dressed up as if I'm going to climb Mount Everest and I think it's eight degrees Celsius outside <laughs> it's almost springtime weather <laughs> but uh, that's nice I feel the warmth of the sun in the back of my neck <laughs> actually I have the sun in my back I'm walking north and then I'm going to go to the right and head into the woods but it's a different part of the uh, of the woods than where I normally record the walk. You know, I like change. <laughs> but uh, the, uh, the, 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 when I feel the warmth of the sun, it gives me hope because I'm looking forward to springtime. And I know that many of you live in countries where it's much colder than over here. Some of you tell me that you have snow and it's just... Oh. Except, of course, for my listeners... Uh, down under in New Zealand where it's uh, kind of the end of, is it the end of summer? Yeah, it's the opposite time-wise and the opposite uh, weather-wise. Oh, I've had so much nostalgia for, especially for New Zealand lately because, of course, uh, we've seen the first glimpses of this uh, new Lord of the Rings-based series on Amazon Prime that we'll uh, launch I think it's September and that first season was filmed in in beautiful New Zealand and it's just one of those countries where <laughs> I think 
I will I I lost some of my heart there and and I don't think I will ever recover from that. It's just one of the most I don't know, desirable places to be in the world. And just last week someone was asking me if you could pick one country to live for the rest of your life, where would it be? It can't be the Netherlands. And I immediately said, without even thinking, New Zealand. If there is one moment in my life where I have to move and I can basically pick whatever country I want, I would say it's New Zealand. Um, and it's not based on any rational... <laughs> it doesn't have any rational justification. It's just such a wonderful country. Uh, it's, it's What I love about it is so diverse in terms of nature. And then add to that the kindness of the people. Uh, just their overall mentality is something that totally works for me. <laughs> so it's one of my aspirational goals in life. I'm not sure if it will ever materialize. But for me, New Zealand is like the Shire. <laughs> now that I've been there, I always long to go back, even though I love traveling uh, through the rest of the world. Speaking of which, um, that is probably something that will be possible soon if the situation keeps improving. Now, the uh, COVID situation uh, in many countries is still worrisome because uh, you get infected so quickly. And just recently, a, a number of my friends and family members have been infected, uh, even though they had been vaccinated and everything. However, the upside is... It's just, you know, it's still worse than a flu and you feel miserable, but it doesn't last. And people recover more quickly, at least, you know, short term. You never know what the longer consequences are. Uh, you shouldn't rule out, out more long COVID type of reactions. But we, we don't know. For, for, for the moment, it looks as if at least this variant of the virus is, uh, is under control. Um, well, in terms of consequences for healthcare. So that may mean that it will become easier to travel again, which in turn will enable me to do um, some projects that I kind of didn't know if it was going to happen. Um, as you know, I, I would love to film some new documentaries and new travel series, but I was already developing a plan B to film stuff in the Netherlands. <laughs> Uh, instead of going to England or or elsewhere in the world. But uh, the downside of filming in the Netherlands is that it it's a bit weird to do everything in English <laughs> because it's my home country, I'm Dutch. And so most of the people that I would like to interview would also be Dutch. So would that work for an international audience? I don't know, it just feels much easier to just go to to other countries where it's kind of normal that you speak English or, yeah, probably English. Even if I would go to France or Spain, I would probably still do all my interviews in English um, because it's, it's so much easier in post-production when you just have one language you have to deal with instead of all these different languages. Plus, it, it really depends from country to country if people are used to dubbed over versions of, of uh, um, television material or, or subtitles. And so if I want to reach an international, a global audience with what I do, I'm that ambitious, <laughs> then of course, I'd rather not choose. I'd, I'd rather just pick English so I don't have to dub it and I can just subtitle it um, in, 
in various languages if there is a need for that. Although um, so much of the content on, on social media these days is in English that there is a, a large enough audience to just keep it at that. And I might, may just add uh, closed captions for uh, people that are unable to, um, to hear uh, properly or they may have hearing impediments. Uh, but we'll see. What I do know is that if I'm going to film uh, a new documentary series, it will be different from the way in which I did that in the past. And the main difference for me is going to be the emphasis on good storytelling. This is one of the biggest things that I've discovered this past week. I've been uh, reading a book from... Uh, oof, I forgot his name. I'll review it in uh, one of my podcasts. Uh, one of my other podcasts, I should say. But I read a, another book about storytelling and how, um, how effective that is if you want to transmit knowledge or opinions or whatever. A good story is the beginning of every good form of communication. Um, what I loved in the book is that they even analyze Pope Francis's um, stories and his way of preaching. And uh, apparently Pope Francis uses a lot of this threefold structure where usually you can summarize his homily uh, in three points. Because um, science has told us that that is a very good number for people to remember. If you do like, oh, my! in, in my next video I'm going to talk about 12 different aspects of, no one will remember it. <laughs> so we have short attention spans and apparently having just three things to remember is much easier. But the, 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 the advantage is of the threefold structure of, is that it is also always the, the foundation of any good story. It's got a beginning, a middle part, and an ending. And so you've got the beginning, that's the context, that's where something happens, and then the, the middle part is, of course, okay, how do you deal with that? How do you surmount the challenges? And then the last part is, what have you learned? How have, have you changed? And I've noticed that that is a skill that the more I practice it, the better I get at it. And I've been starting to use that more, much more deliberately. I already did it intuitively, uh, but I'm doing it more deliberately in my homilies on Sunday. So uh, the other day I was um, uh, preaching in Veenendaal, which is a town not far from here. Well, actually it is farther than I thought, because I, I thought, let's take the bike and just go there by bike. And on the map, it looked, you know, not, not too far away. But it turned out it was more than 45 minutes. And it was also because there was a lot of wind that I didn't uh, calculate for. But anyway, I, I, on my way to church, that's usually where I come up with the gist of my homily, I, I knew that I wanted to do uh, a story, to take a story, or maybe even try to do two stories. And kind of mix them into the fabric of the homily and see if I can could create that threefold structure in my homily. So the homily itself had to be about the Sermon on the Mount, which, you know, is a very important foundational uh, speech that Jesus gives. Speech. I'm not sure if you can talk about speeches, but it is a very important message. But it can also... It, it, it has a... 
a bit of an abstract nature to it. So he's like, uh, if you cry, you will be consoled. If you uh, are sick, you will be healed. If you are poor, you will be rich, etc. And, and vice versa. So, crossing the road here. This road is going to go up into the woods. This is exactly the road where I got injured <laughs> so many weeks ago. And there's a doggy excitedly barking at another dog who just came back from his walk. Yes, so many dogs in this town. But, um, uh, so that the, the, you could do a homily that remains very general, abstract, you know. We should feed the poor, uh, feed the poor help the, the, uh, all these different types of categories. And it, you know, people would just probably say, yeah, that's true, that's okay, but it doesn't really stick. It doesn't make an impact. And so I decided to tell a story from one of my trips to the continent of Africa when I went to Ethiopia. And if you've uh, watched the, um, the mass that I streamed, uh, you heard that same story, told it a little bit differently. And, uh, and as, of course, if you want to check it out, you can also listen to the Gospel for Geeks, which is this audio uh, uh, recording of the homily that I post for my patrons every week. Um, so uh, I told this story about a shoemaker and uh, his radiant joy, even though he lived in very, very poor circumstances. And I wanted to figure out what the secret was of his joy. And I noticed that people were just really waiting to hear what that secret was and how that guy could be so happy. And I told that at the end of the homily. And even having this threefold structure, so the middle part, of course, was explaining the gospel and uh, what does Jesus tell us about the true secret to to happiness or its beatitudes of course it goes further than just happiness it's this deep joy that comes from having god on your side and knowing that he is your friend and and so i ended it with the, at the very last part of the homily was going back to ethiopia and telling how that conversation ended and uh and it totally worked. I got so much feedback after Mass. People were like, oh my gosh, that story. I could just picture it. <laughs> I was like, wow. I don't think I've ever had so much feedback since I came to preach here um, than, than this particular Sunday. And it was all thanks to that story that I told. And because that people remember the story, they will also remember the message. And another proof of that was a tweet, I think the other day where someone came across a news item and I think it was about emergency care for refugees or I think it was a fellow priest who who blessed um, uh, a, a temporary home for for homeless migrants or something like that and that person reminded me that that reminded me immediately of a story that you told uh, a couple of years ago about you were still a seminarian and uh, you were uh, in Belgium and it was already getting late and you didn't have a place to stay so you knocked on that door of that monastery and, 
And I was like, wow, I, that is literally a story that I told maybe 15 years ago. And this person still remembers the story. That is how, how important it is to uh, communicate via stories. And the, the more I was reading this book, the more I became convinced that this is my forte. This is where I need to specialize more. And this is also what I should integrate in my television work, in my documentary work. And it's different from the way I did documentaries in the past, where um, there were lots of different types, of course, uh, of, of, of uh, documentary making. You have uh, these experimental documentaries or poetic documentaries. That's a genre that I'm not there, that interested in. in. You've got these ob- observa- observational documentaries, where basically someone just dives into a certain world, starts filming what happens and then creates the story afterward that is maybe the most laborious uh, uh, difficult and, and most expensive uh, way of, of making documentary so that's also something that I've never done and the the type of documentary that I'm most familiar with and that works really well for my type of personality is the um, uh, it's the not really the performative documentary. Performative documentaries is all, where it's almost like a, a, a constructed story. Oh, you know what? I'm going to go to the left instead of to the right. I remember walking here or running here a few weeks ago. This is a very small path. It's actually private property, but you are allowed to uh, walk here. And it leads into a nice part of the forest where everything is still green because these pine trees don't lose their foliage uh, whereas the rest of the forest at least in this part of the of the neighborhood is uh, still very uh, very barren <laughs> anyway so the uh, the performative type is a, a bit what um, what's his name Michael Moore does with Bowling for Car- uh, Columbine and where it's it's like almost a performance um, however, what I do is a participatory documentary style where I'm part of the story. I talk to the camera, I discover things, I react to what I see. Um, I, I don't only interview people off camera, like even cutting out my own voice like a lot of people do in television or in documentary uh, production. But I'm visible, I'm, I'm reacting. Um, and... If possible, I even partake in the process that I'm trying to film and and document. So that is a type of documentary where the storytelling itself, um, I think, needs to be a story where I'm also participatory (laughs) in. Um, That's not the right way to say that, but... It's a story that I should partake in. That if people can identify with me as a storyteller and my quest and what I'm trying to figure out or a problem that I'm trying to solve, and if they follow me along the, the efforts to surmount the, the obstacles to reach that goal, then they will be engaged. And then they will want to know how it ends and what I've learned. And it will become much more powerful than if I'm just doing this voiceover a disembodied conclusion like shouldn't we all <laughs> and um, the, 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 my first 
once I realized that, that that is the type of stories that I'm good at telling, and that I've done it intuitively in the past at least several times, for instance, when I was walking to Santiago de Compostela, that entire series is full of challenges. It's full of this per very personal drive of me to reach Santiago. That's what made why it made so much impact. But other times, I feel like, but, you know, I, I'm not that important. Or do I really have a question here? Or am I just curious? Um, so it's always um, a challenge, and it's going to be a challenge for me in the, in the future, to find the right type of story that will have a personal... Um, in, in which I will have personal stakes. And there is a little bit of that built-in, like, I'm not important enough or my life is not exciting enough for these kind of stories. Um, and that is mostly, I think, um, upbringing. Because I know that many of you are listening to this particular podcast, but, which is also a bit of very loose experimental podcasting in a certain way where it's very much a, a small story uh, even though it's just me leaving home and then getting through the woods and trying to deal with the mud and the branches and whatnot um, and then we get home and well we hopefully have learned something at least you will have experienced something because you hear the sounds of nature and you've got a picture in your mind of this these woods here where all of a sudden a lot of the pine trees are gone. These are just regular trees and the sun is shining through the, all these, these branches and, and there's a lot of grass here on the right side and there's almost no grass on my left side. So it has to be a thing with, I don't know, maybe composition of the ground. It's interesting. Anyway, so while I'm telling this, you have the, that picture. You are here with me. You're picturing these, these, these forests and it's probably different from what it looks like in reality, but it doesn't matter. It's a picture. So it works. You are in the story. Now that is the kind of <clears throat> storytelling that I feel challenged to develop. And not just for, uh, for my documentaries, but even for, well, homilies, but also for, for YouTube videos. Uh, that is the biggest challenge because for YouTube videos, I don't have much room to play with. Literally, I'm in the smallest room of my home. Uh, well, the bathroom is a little bit sm uh, smaller still, but... The, the, the smallest regular room in my house. And so how do I tell a story with, where, where, with, which has a good beginning and a middle part and an end? I'm definitely going to steal that three-part structure from, from, uh, from Pope Francis uh, and do that more and maybe also add more personal involvement instead of just doing an explainer video, which I've been done been doing quite a bit in the past let me just tell you a story and I don't know if that's going to work um, because maybe people clicked on that thumbnail or on the title for other reasons um, but what I do think is that stories establish a bond if you are part of someone else's story you'll start to look different at that person and you will have been part of that world so it it it's, it's the, one of the best ways to form a community is to experience things together. It can be liturgy. It can also be a trip. Um, if you've ever been on vacation with friends, 
those friends are now more than just uh, acquaintances because you went through stuff with them and you've shared uh, similar interests. You've, you, you've gone through an adventure. It's, it's how the fellowship in The Lord of the Rings becomes a group of friends over time. It starts with this common quest and it ends with this, this uh, friendship that, that is such, has such a deep quality that the members of the fellowship are ready to sacrifice their own life for the sake of their friends. Now that is, I think, the big challenge for me in this new year with all these new media adventures. Uh, the first question is, how do I bring people together? But that's just the threshold. That's where it begins. So last week, I was very successful with an explainer video. And it was very simple. Uh, it was the ending of uh, the last episode. I can go to the left or to the right. Let's go to the left. Um, and it, uh, uh, there was a, a, like a post credit scene that I first didn't understand. And my immediate reaction was, I need to make a video about this, because if I have that reaction, then most of other people will also not immediately get what this scene is about and what it means. So I did this short video, and it went viral, more or less. 75,000 views. And that helps me grow my channel to more than 1,000 new uh, subscribers in one month, which is, you know, it's good. But that's just the beginning. I keep telling myself, that's just a one time uh, connection that you make the, the, the big challenge is going to be how do I create community with these new people if it's just one you know one, one encounter which you know wow this is a bike lane all of a sudden in the middle of the woods which is super well constructed but almost looks like a highway for bikes and then they planted new trees alongside this dirt road next to the, the the quality bike lane. Interesting. Anyway, <laughs> I keep discovering stuff in these forests. Um, but and and of course, I won't have seventy five thousand. Uh, seventy five thousand. Yeah. Well, those seventy five thousand views will not result in seventy five thousand new members of my commun of my online community. It will be a very small percentage of them that will come back. But the way in which I think I can build this community is by focusing more and more on telling stories in which I am also in involved, where where you create a connection by. Um, by showing who you are and and by being interested also in other people then that, that that is kind of the the thing that I hope to integrate and to bring together in these stories okay I am lost I'll just continue alongside this bike lane because I can go anywhere but I already forgot <laughs> where I came from <laughs> story of my life uh. So, uh, the, 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 the being more aware of the importance of storytelling and how helpful it can be to, A, communicate my message. Well, it's not really my message, but it's the message that is the core foundation of my life. How important storytelling and how effective storytelling 
is in that. I want to specialize in that. The second thing is how much storytelling can help me form community, which is the ultimate goal of what I do. It's bringing people together. I'm a shepherd. I'm a, I'm a pastor. I'm not just a so-called media priest who is just there to make media. Um, lots of other people can do that much better than I. But my specialism is to, to make media, yes, but always as a tool to create community and to bring people together and to help form connections between these people and also, ideally, between them and God. Because God himself is uh, a community builder. <laughs> he wants to bring people together. Every Eucharistic prayer that I pray on Sunday has that, those same lines where we pray that God may gather his flock wherever, from, from so many different people, wherever they are in the world. Uh, we pray that God may bring people together. And that, for me, is um, what I should mimic in my own life. Because, after all, I'm, I'm, I'm following the footsteps of Jesus, who did exactly the same. And that's the final conclusion that I have at the end of this walk. Um, this is not, not very different from what, what we see Jesus do all the time. So his main way of, of communicating his message is through stories, parables, metaphors, you name it. Sometimes his own adventures are a bit like a story that has a threefold structure. Um, Jesus is overwhelmed by the crowd. He sees a boat. He steps in the boat. He's, he gets off the coast and then he tells a story and then people react to it and learn something. Um, you see that story structure both in the stories that Jesus tells himself and in the stories that he makes himself. And that ultimately is always a goal for him to wake people up, to get them to change their ways and to join this kingdom of God that he constantly talks about, which is nothing else than God's family, to become part of this community of friends and that will grow into a, a company of family members uh, where, where the bond grows stronger and stronger so that you are truly, you feel and you act like brothers and sisters. That if Jesus is the template... I want to follow that template. And I know that that is where my focus should be when I'm going to do these new documentaries. So instead of just what I usually do is I have only two days to film something, for instance. Let's just film whatever we encounter. We don't plan that much. I don't know exactly what I'm going to learn. And oftentimes, almost by accident or coincidence, a story, a classic story unfolds, but oftentimes it's just doesn't really have a beginning or an end. And I know that I can do better, and I will do better, <laughs> thanks to the things that I'm learning at the beginning of this new year. So hopefully you're going to be the beneficiaries of that. If you want to become part of that adventure, one of the ways in which I'm going to do that is by offering my higher tier patrons, so the people that uh, have, have chosen to invest in the documentaries, because of course patrons join for various reasons, um, but th there is a percentage of the, of the patrons that really want to help me creating these ambitious you know, media projects. Um, I want to bring them along. I, just, I don't want just to talk about what I'm going to do and, and ask for their opinion, but I want to go even further and bring them along 
on my journeys and show them how <laughs> what's the what's the word for that or the expression how the soup is made or how the pudding is made how the cookies are baked you know what i want to say <laughs> but um i think bringing them into the kitchen will create an even greater involvement and i think it will help build the community and and forge the bonds because if you've been with me on even though it's just a digital journey or digital participation in a real journey it's still going to be stories that you've been a part of and i think that that can be a very very positive um initiative in in this 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 you know mini community within the bigger community that i reach through these podcasts and through the youtube channel hey thank you so much for uh, for joining me if you want to join the patreon community as well you know how to do that just go to patreon.com slash father roderick and uh for those of you that are already patrons there will be an extra mile that i'm about to begin where i will talk a little bit more about i call that trade secrets the stuff that i cannot share yet with the rest of the world but i'll be talking a little bit about what are the stories that i have in mind right now what what are the topics what are the journeys i would like to undertake so that's going to be part of the extra mile which begins uh for me at least in uh, 30 seconds and for you well it depends <laughs> we'll see you next time thanks for walking along with me <laughs>